I want you to do me a favor. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to announce the title. Well, I don't normally do this, but I just feel like it's very appropriate. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to announce the title of my message today. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jezebel, go to hell. There we go. So everybody's cussed. Well, we're on the same page. I feel good about it. That's, the, that's really the title of the message. Everybody in this room, everybody watching online, you've had a bad day. I started to ask how many have ever had a bad day, but we've all had a bad day. All of us have had something like my day was almost bad yesterday. If Clemson would have lost that game, it would have been a bad day. But when I, when I say bad day, I'm, I'm honestly not talking about just one thing going bad. I'm talking about everything goes bad. Like you, you, you wake up in the morning and um, have you ever done this? You set your alarm clock on your phone and it doesn't wake you up and you get angry until you realize you set it for PM and not AM. Yeah. And then you, and then you go to the kitchen. And for me, uh, if there's no coffee, like if I'm like, not only am I going to have a bad day, everybody around me is going to have a bad day for the next hour, right? Because I got to get some coffee. And then you go out to your car and maybe your car tire's flat. I don't know if that's ever happened. I remember one day, a bad day, by the way, is not one bad thing happening. It's several bad things happening in a row, and it just seems like you can't, you can't control anything. One day, this is true, I, I was like, you know what I need? You know what would just make me happy? If I could just go to McDonald's and get a milkshake. I, for some reason, their vanilla milkshakes make me happy. I don't know if they put crack in them. If they do, I'm on crack because I love their vanilla milkshakes at McDonald's. And I go to this McDonald's right down here at Clemson Boulevard, just pull in. I said, I would like a vanilla milkshake. And he told me, sir... What is the flipping problem with McDonald's? It was broken. And so this poor guy, poor guy, I just, I said, I said, you have got to be kidding me. He said, obviously you're mad. I'm like, obviously you can pick up on, I mean, I was, I, was, I had to go back and apologize. I was, by the way, if you work for McDonald's, fix the problem, okay? Just fix the, you're gonna make somebody from McDonald's feel bad. Well, you should feel bad because you're, anyway, back on focus. So, so all of us have had a bad day. And the reason I bring that up is because a bad day and depression aren't the same thing. A bad day is I had a lot of bad stuff happen. I'm gonna go to bed tonight. I'm gonna wake up in the morning. I'm gonna try to start over. And you got the potential for a whole new day. Depression is I'm, I'm not sure I can get out of bed. If I, if I can get out of bed, I'm not sure I want to get out of bed. And, and the best way to describe it is you just feel darkness all around. Worry is when you can't stop your mind from thinking about worst case scenarios. Anxiety is when worry makes it from our minds to our bodies and we begin to break out in sweats or we have panic attacks or we, we freak out. And it's, it's insane the number of people that I've met that, that almost secretly admit that they wrestle with these things. I remember the first time I talked about it publicly, I had people um, in the upstate area, and I won't share names, but like very well-known people going, can I come and talk to you about this? I'm like, you don't even go to this church. I know, but I want to come talk to you. I'm like, I can't. Listen, talking to me will make it worse. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I can help. But it really is crazy because, and the reason people are so secretive about all this is because we've bought into a lie. And here's the lie. The lie is a true Christian 
will never struggle with mental health issues. By the way, don't you love it when people tell you what a true Christian is? They'll always tell you something that, that you know, they'll, they define Christianity as something they don't struggle with. Well, a true Christian doesn't do this, or a true Christian doesn't, and I would say a true Christian don't go around and telling people what a true Christian is, right? That was for free, by the way. I didn't even say that at the last service. Y'all getting some extra stuff. This is a lie because I know people that love Jesus that have wrestled with worry, fear, anxiety, depression, and even thoughts of suicide. And we're gonna address all of these in the message today and for the next two to three weeks. And I, I promise you that if you are here today and you're a Christian, but you wrestle with mental health issues, it doesn't mean you're not a good Christian. It just confirms the fact that we all are human and we all need Jesus because none of us are strong enough to make it through this life all by ourselves. So we're gonna talk about a guy in the Old Testament. And if you're, if you're establishing a Bible hall of fame, this guy's in it. His name's Elijah. Now, if you grew up in church or you went to Sunday school, you know about Elijah, but you know about happy Elijah because happy Elijah went out and called fire down from heaven, which I've never pulled that off because if I could have, this McDonald's up here wouldn't be here. I mean, I would have caught, it would have just done it that day. And then, and then he, he, he prayed and it rained. I mean, this Elijah, we know 1 Kings 18, Elijah. But that's not the whole story about Elijah. Let me kind of back up and give you a backstory. We meet him in 1 Kings 17. And the nation of Israel had, had turned their back on God. They had gone away from God. Now, you might find this hard to believe, but there are many times in scripture that when a nation turned its back on God, God would get the attention of the nation by messing with their economy. Weird, I know, right? Never happens anymore. So the way he messed with their economy is he said, I'm not, it's not gonna rain for three years or it's not gonna rain. And so if it doesn't rain, the crops don't grow. And if the crops don't grow, you can't sell food, you can't trade and people start starving and, it, and people die of thirst. I mean, it's a, it's a famine, it's a drought, it's a bad situation. So Elijah shows up and he says, it's not gonna rain for three years until I say it's gonna rain. Now, this is what I would call Spiritual pressure. You are literally the rainmaker in Israel. And the reason I say that is because there's people in this room today that you're under spiritual pressure. Maybe a spiritual pressure you put on yourself. Maybe, maybe you grew up in a legalistic home where you had a legalistic mom or a dad or legalistic grandparents and they told you you couldn't play cards or you couldn't dance or you couldn't, you know, you could, they told you all the things you couldn't do. Or maybe somebody told you at some point in your life that you have disappointed God. And I always want to pause and say, you can't disappoint an all-knowing God. If you could disappoint him, that would mean you could surprise him. If you could surprise him, that would mean he's not all-knowing. If he's not all-knowing, he's not all-powerful. If he's not all-powerful, then he could have brought Jesus back from the dead. But he is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, and you have never disappointed God. He knew every stupid, foolish, sinful thing we were ever gonna do and created us anyway and went ahead and arranged for the price to be paid for it. Amen, I'm preaching right now. All right, so, I don't know what got into me. Coffee wasn't that good. All right, so, so he's under spiritual pressure. And, and there's some people today under spiritual pressure. And then, then he had some financial pressure. He, God told him to go to this brook. God said, I'm gonna send the ravens to feed you. 
So the Ravens came in, Lamar Jackson, all the Ravens, they came in, they fed, this is a football joke, and they fed, they fed Elijah, and, and there was this brook there, and he's getting all this, but then the brook dried up. You face financial pressure. There's people in this room, listen, financial pressure is real. <laughs> I went to a grocery store the other day. And there's a difference when a man goes to a grocery store and a woman goes to a grocery store. Woman goes to a grocery store and actually gets things that you need. A man thinks it's like, look, I'm gonna get some of this, I'm gonna get some of this, and I'm gonna, and I got to the thing and she was like scanning stuff and I wasn't paying attention. Usually I just watch the thing. I wasn't paying attention. And she told me the total and I was like, I'm not paying for their groceries, I'm just paying for mine. <laughs> I mean, gas prices and inflation rates and all it's, it's there, there, let's just say there's some people in a room facing some financial pressure. And then there's relational pressure. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're facing relational pressure because you're probably sitting with your relational pressure right now. And that would be <laughs> awkward. Hmm. But, but he, he went to this widow's house. God told him to go to this widow's house. He goes to the widow's house. The widow had a son and son dies. And the widow got mad and blamed Elijah. And he didn't do it. Relational pressure. Now, Elijah fixed it. He brought the boy back to life, which is, that's kind of a cool trick. I wish I could do that. Hey, my son's dead. Can you help? Yep, get alive. Get up, boy. Quit, quit being dead. And the boy just got up and quit being dead. That was crazy. And then, and then there, was, there was physical safety pressure because Elijah had a hit on his life. On, I mean, Ahab, who was the king of Israel, put a hit out on Elijah, said, if you find him, you kill him. So he couldn't go anywhere. Like when he had to Walmart, when he went to Walmart, he had to put on the hat with the mullet, and that way he just blended in. Um, and he could, like, he could kind of sneak through the aisles and stuff like that. And then he goes, to the, he goes to face the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah, and there's 850 of them and one of him. So, so he had what you call conflict. Now, the reason I'm pointing all this out is because we're about to see Elijah go into a major bout of anxiety, depression, and even suicidal thoughts. We're about, I'm about to show you this in Scripture. But the, but the thing is, people always look at somebody whose life just falls apart, and they say, what was it, as if there was one event, that caused it to happen? And when we see all that's going to happen in Elijah, it wasn't one thing. If we have these things going on in our life, and we don't deal with them, eventually this will become the weight that crushes us rather than the mountain that God, with God's help, we, we climb over. And, and, and the reason I'm saying this is because there's people in this room that you, you've dealt with all these things. And as we're going to see with Elijah, because he didn't deal with all these things as they were going along, one thing happened. One thing happened. And it was, the, it was the feather that, that was enough weight to just break the table. Let me show you. When Ahab got home, now Ahab was the king of Israel, and he had been there when Elijah called fire down from heaven. Then he called rain down, and it hadn't rained in three years, so Ahab's kind of excited. So he's going to go home. He's going to tell his wife about all this amazing stuff that happened. And her name is, he told Jezebel, if you're looking for a baby name, that ain't it. Don't call, you, don't call your girl Jezebel, all right? Because that's not that. This is, anytime you see Jezebel in the scripture, it, Jezebel represents deception and control. 
Deception and control. I've got a whole message I want to preach one time on, on one of these days on the spirit of Jezebel, but she represents deception and control because she was a, a queen and she wasn't Israelite. She was a foreign queen and she had literally led the nation of Israel astray and taught them how to worship Baal instead of worshiping the true God. So you got this <laughs> controlling woman. Don't, don't look at your spouse. Just, just stay focused straight ahead, all right? He told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Now, you would think that an end to a drought would make a national leader happy, right? But watch what happens. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. I was looking at this, this, ver- this verse this week, and I just noticed kill and then kill and then kill. There's a, there's a theme that she's trying to get across to Elijah, but understand something. She, she sent a message. Isn't it funny how sometimes the smallest things can cause us to lose our minds? Every morning, every morning, I got my routine. I read my Bible, I come downstairs. Sammy and Chance, they're mine, Shannon's dogs, and I'm like, y'all ready to go outside? And they start, they get all excited. Chance gets the zoomies, and, and you know, and we go outside, and it's different. It's different. Chance, Chance is a golden doodle. He pees on everything. He just, he just run around, just, he just, he's just happy. He don't even know what's going on. Sammy, Sammy is a process dog. He has to take his time and find the right place. And aren't you glad humans don't have to do this, right? We got to find the right place. They're sniffing everything. And I'm like, oh God. So, so the other morning I'm, I'm in the backyard with them and, and uh, I've, I'm on my phone, you know, because I'm not really paying attention to dogs. I'm on my phone. I'm kind of reading something super interesting on Instagram. I'm sure it was life-changing. Here's what I know. I'll walk through a spider web And I went from Presbyterian to Pentecostal in less than a second. I was like, because I could just feel them on the back of my neck. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all can feel them on the back of your neck right now. You're scratching the back of your neck. I can see it. You just feel, I'm just sorry I messed with y'all. But it, it's crazy how for the rest of the day, I was, I was scratching back here because it was something small, but it made a big difference. Je- Jezebel Jezebel sent a message to Elijah. She said this, I'm going to kill you. Now, the reason I bring that up is because there's some of us that we've let the enemy send us a message and it's gotten stuck in our head. There are people in this room that have negative thoughts about yourself and you think that's you when it's really the enemy wanting you to think that that's true. See, he's going to send you a message because he knows that if you, that if me, that if we ever get our feet planted in the will of God and we start doing the work of God with the people of God, that we're going to be unstoppable. So how does he send his messages?
he can get us right here, can he? Isn't it amazing how much access we give people to our emotions? Like, hypothetically, let's say I posted a picture of myself with the devil. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's, it's good, it's good, it's good. I had people, I had, I had two or three people call me and check on me that day. I, is a, you okay? I was like, I'm good. Why do you ask? Have you seen this post? I mean, I've looked at it earlier, but I've been like living my life. It's got over a thousand comments. I said, I better go read some of these. And I'm gonna tell you what I thought. I was scrolling through. I was going, man, some, man, God, unemployment in this nation is at an all-time high. Because you would think, okay, so if you're Elijah, you just called down fire from heaven. You just prayed for it to rain and it rained. So you would think that Elijah would be like, hey, Jezebel, come out of the tower. Come come here, Jezebel, because I'm going to send you to hell and say, oh, well, Jezebel, you fell. I stood. I mean, I feel the spirit of flavor flavor on me this morning. I can, yeah, boy. That's what you would expect him to do. Because if Jezebel could have gotten him, she wouldn't have threatened to do it. She would have just done it. Oh, by the way, if the enemy could have taken you out, he would have taken you out. But Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against us will prosper. It doesn't say that the weapon will not be formed. It says that the weapon will not prosper because if God is for us, who can be against us? So, so Jezebel sends a message and then watch this because watch what happens. Watch what happens now. Don't miss it. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Huh? Yeah. Elijah, this great man of God, this hero of the faith. We, did, we didn't learn about this in Sunday school, but he was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and left his servant there. Now, I'm gonna go ahead for argument's sake and say that if anybody has ever been a Christian, Elijah is a Christian. He knew Jesus, heard God, prayed fire and rain, but don't miss this. And somebody much wiser than me said this, but it stuck with me. He had Jesus in his heart, but Jezebel in his head. And there's some people in this room, you got, you got Jesus in your heart, but you got Jezebel in your head. Deception and control. And the enemy is lying to you about you. The enemy is lying to you about what could happen to you. And instead of walking in faith, we respond by running in fear. And watch what he does. He does what we always do. He went, he left, he went to town in Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left a servant there. Just abandoned the servant. He isolated. I always try to pause here and teach on the difference between solitude, isolation. I love solitude. Love solitude. Solitude is when you just get alone for the purpose of refreshing. For me, my best solitude 
is on some beach somewhere <laughs> with my toes in the water and my, okay, y'all got it. Okay, we're, we're, we're tracking. I got a book. I can do it. I can do it. Listen, I can do solitude in Anderson, South Carolina. My neighborhood's got a pool. I go by the pool. I get, I get the chair that's most out of the way. I want the one that's most out of the way. And I can get a book, a fiction book. Somebody, are you reading a book about Jesus? No, I'm reading a book about a guy that's killing somebody. Leave. Like that, I mean, I, it, it bothers me when somebody bothers me in my solitude, right? But isolation is when you, this is what you start telling yourself. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about what I'm going through. Nobody cares about how I feel. Nobody cares. And that's not true. It's not that nobody cares. It's that nobody knows because Jezebel has told you, you can't tell people that you're wrestling with this, these issues because if you do, they're going to see you as less than. So we get by ourselves. And watch what happens when we get... Do you know how bad, how dark it can get when you get alone with Jezebel in your head? Watch what happens. Then he went, alone, then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. This is Elijah, a great man of God. Jesus is in his heart, Jezebel in his head, gets completely suicidal. You, you can't get through that text. You don't go a day's journey into the desert with no food and no water on purpose. If you, if you go a day's journey into the desert with no food and no water, you're not planning on coming out. The reason I bring that up is because there are people in this room, there are people watching online right now You've had suicidal thoughts, maybe even this week. You're not crazy. I've battled with suicidal thoughts. Many of you know my story, and I want, I'm not going to take the time to repeat the whole thing, but I was almost there. Now, this is where people go, oh, my gosh, you're talking about suicide. You're going to make somebody, no, no, no. Usually when you talk about suicide, it helps people open up. Feel free to talk about it. The reason so many people don't want to talk about it is because they're scared. They, they're like, oh, if, if somebody takes their own life, they, they go to hell. How many have heard that? If you die by suicide, okay, that's not true. It's not true. But it, we can thank the Catholics for it. I'm not anti-Catholic. That's just where it came from. They get, but they also gave us that cool sign that we could, I mean, we could do it if you want. I just, as Protestants, we don't have that. I think it'd be cool if we had a sign. But um, Where it comes from is people say when you, when you sin, but you don't have time to confess the sin, 
that you go to hell. That's where the idea comes from. That's why you got to stay up on confession if you're in the Catholic Church. Well, the problem with that, if that were true, if that were true, is let's say you're, you're leaving the parking lot today and you get right out here and you're going, to take a, you're going to take a left and you look to your left and you don't see anything coming. You look to your right, nothing coming. You look to your left and you pull out and you didn't see the 18-wheeler. And it's bearing down on you and there's no way you can avoid it. And so you, just like just about any person on the planet, say, oh, shit. Got your attention, didn't I? Some of y'all, some of y'all were on your phone. You're like, whoa, what, what's up? I, by the way, I'm not going to get fired for saying that. I mean, I just, I'm just going to be real, all right? You should be the person on stage that you are in private. I am. Ask anybody that knows me. Well, if you consider that a cuss word, which, by the way, I don't because that one's actually in the Bible, Philippians 3, Scooble, look it up. But anyway, just for argument's sake, if, if you go to hell because you don't get to confess sin, then saying that word and not being able to confess it, toot, toot, you are on the hell express. <laughs> Let me be very clear. A person does not go to hell because of something we do. Hell is a place where somebody goes that refuses to accept the grace and the mercy and the unconditional, of love, uh, uh, unconditional love of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the reason it, we go to heaven. Jesus Christ is the reason we're accepted. Jesus Christ is the reason, and none of us have the power to take away the unconditional love of God, period. <laughs> this is what I know from things that I've read, re a little bit of research that I've done, and from my own life, people that are considering suicide don't necessarily want to die. They just want the pain to stop. That's what I wanted. But this, watch this, because this is so crazy. It got real. Elijah prayed the most honest prayer. That aren't Some people are scared to just get honest with God. I can't tell God what I really think. Well, I mean... Newsflash, he knows, right? <laughs> he can handle it. He really can. So, so when he said, I've had enough, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died, God's like, now we can work because you just got real. See, God can't, God, I don't think God likes the fake prayers. Oh, dear Jesus, we thank you for this day and thy many blessings. Who talks like that? I don't like fake. You don't like fake. We like real. I like authentic. That's why the, I, I, when Burger King came out with their stupid little vegan burger, I know some of y'all loved it. It tastes just like a cheeseburger. No, it doesn't. You take a dead cow, put it on a bun, put some cheddar cheese on it. That's a cheeseburger. Don't give me a fake cheeseburger. Give me a real cheeseburger. Amen? I knew y'all would say that. He got real. He got real with God. Watch what God did. This is, this is, fast forward through that. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. 
Now, if you're just watching this story develop, here's Elijah, a man of God who has seen the faithfulness of God, who God has taken care of him every step of the way. But Jezebel gets in his head and he runs away from God and he runs away from the people of God and he runs away from the work of God and he gets so depressed and so discouraged that he's literally considering ending his own life. And if you're God, if you send an angel, like I would have kind of expected the angel to say, boy, get up, shut up and stop crying. What are you doing? Don't you know God is faithful? Don't you know God is good? Don't you know God is true? But aren't you glad that we have a God that meets us with love and not lectures when we're at our lowest place? It's, He's, he's in the desert all by himself. Think about this for a second. He's gone a day without food and water. What does he need the most? Food and water. Right? And the angel touches him. Says, get up and eat. Don't miss this. God will meet us in our lowest place with what we need. Because he looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones. Because I'm sure when the angel said, get up and eat, Elijah's thinking, well, there's not any food trucks out here. I mean, I don't know what you want me to do. But he, he looked around and, just, and there's bread beside his head on some hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Now, don't miss this because this is so cool. Y'all know how I told y'all every once in a while in the Old Testament, like it's like this, and then Jesus will pop and go, what's up, dog? And he just kind of does that. This is, this is one of those what's up, dog moments, because watch this. He, he, beside his head was some bread. John chapter 6, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He got some water. John chapter 7, Jesus said, I am the living water. This, I've never seen this before. Hot stones, hot stones. God took his finger and he wrote the Ten Commandments on stone tablets, hot stones. The word, God said, I'm gonna drop it like it's hot, Elijah. You better get it while it's fresh. And he gave Elijah fresh bread and fresh water. And then Elijah, he, he lay down again. Why? Because he's a man. That's what we do when we eat and drink. We just lay down. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. In other words, Elijah, you're, don't miss this. You're not going to fix everything with one encounter. It's going to be a process. So I know you just ate and drank, but eat and drink again. See, one of the mistakes that we can make as followers of Christ is we think we're gonna walk into a room, say one prayer and be all, and listen, I believe it. I've seen Jesus do it. I've seen him do miracles, but more often the miracle is us embracing the process. It's just like when somebody joins a gym and they go in for two or three days and you don't have a six pack. So you go buy a six pack and then that'll, that'll erase a six pack in a heartbeat. Well, I tried, but it didn't work. This is people, they go to church for like a, a week or two, or maybe we read our Bible for a day or two, and it didn't work, but it's a process. I believe God works in our lives, and yes, I believe God can deliver through prayer, 
But I think the healing work that God does is the, when we embrace the process that he wants to take us through. Now, this is what's crazy, and I've never seen this because this blew my mind. Watch this. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Now, I've always kind of read that verse and just read over it, but I did something this last time. I'm, I'm kind of like I've got Google Maps changed my life, y'all. Changed my life. I pulled this up on Google Maps. I was trying to figure out where it was. This was 260 miles south. 260 miles away from God, away from the people of God, away from the work of God, away from the calling of God. He went 40 days in the wrong direction. I know it said he went to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, but that's where God had been in the book of Exodus. People had moved on, but sometimes we, we always want to go back to that thing that we think might work or that thing that did work. He went 260 miles. Don't miss this. 40 days without talking to God, without listening to God's voice, and Jezebel in his head. How bad can it get when we do that? Then he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Do what? Yeah, yeah I remember that time we met in the desert and I gave you some food, I gave you some water. Yeah, I didn't do it, so you could be, what, are, what are you doing here? And I want you to watch this next verse. Because have, have you ever been around somebody? Through a pity party for themselves? Watch this pity party. Watch it. Watch it. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. Pause. Elijah, who are you talking to? You're talking, why don't you just say I just zealously served you? But when we throw a pity party, we got to make it dramatic, right? I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Okay, but what about that time that you called fire down from heaven, Elijah, and fire came down? What about that time you prayed for rain and rain came after three years and it watered the whole, what about that? See, we lose sight of all the amazing things God has done when we walk away from him with Jezebel in our head and throw a pity party. And if we're not careful, this story, which by the way, is not a true story. It's a made up story in his mind, but this story gets stuck in our head. Have you ever got something stuck in your head and you can't get it out? Song, for example. There are songs that we know that are stuck in our head. In fact, if I played these songs, you would sing them because you know them. In fact, I am going to play these songs. I'm going to ask you to do a sing-along. These are not Christian songs by Christian people. They're just songs that typically make people happy, but we'll see. If you know the song, sing along. It's fun to stay at the uh-huh, do it. So I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Remember hearing that at the skating rink? 
But you know it, right? Because you sang it so much, it's stuck in your head. Hey, here's another one. Here's another one. Touching me, touching you. Everybody go. Um, I know where y'all been now because I know where they sing that song. One more, one more, one more, one more. It's for the 80s people in the room. That had prayer in it, so that's our crew. We could throw that. You know those songs because they're stuck in your head. We heard them so much that we could just sing them. In fact, some of y'all, that's all you're going to get out of church today. <laughs> you're going to be talking to somebody tomorrow and they're going to ask, hey, what was, what'd you get out of your church yesterday? And you're going to go, sweet Caroline, ba, ba, ba. And they're going to go, oh, you go to Second Chance. The reason I bring that up is because pay attention to this verse. You got, you got five lines and it's a pity party because anytime you start it with I, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go bad. I, I, I. So watch what happens. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by. Pause. Good moment? Absolutely. Because I've had people tell me, and I've even said this myself, if I could just see God the way they saw him in the Bible, I would believe more. That's not true. I'll prove it to you. The Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. But he, but he caused it, right? Got this wind, rocks falling. Would, you, would, would that get your attention? It'd get my attention. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, and a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Had he seen God move? Yes. He saw earthquake, windstorm, and fire. Earthquake, windstorm, and fire. Literally, earth, wind, and fire showed up, right? And when earth, wind, and fire shows up, you know something great's gonna happen. But I want you to watch what he says. What did he say in verse 10? I have served the Lord zealously. I've done this. They've torn down your altars. What? But see, so he, he goes out, he sees God move in an undeniable way. But just because we see something externally doesn't mean something changes internally. Watch what he does. He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Is that the same thing? Jezebel's in his head, stuck in his head. He's playing that same song over and over and over again. 
And that's what we do when we get anxious, when we get depressed, when we get worried. We have a negative thought pattern in our minds started by Jezebel. And it's, it's where you and I have to place ourselves in a position where we're completely open to hear God's word. Because watch what God does. God doesn't even address anything he said. God said, go back the way you came. Go back, same way you came. Now, don't, don't take that as a rebuke. Take that as an encouragement. God says, you ran away because you thought Jezebel was gonna stop you. But my call is on your life. And if my call's on your life, then you can't be stopped. Not by Jezebel, not by enemy. So I want you to go back the same way you came. And then, and then when you get there, travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel, king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elijah, son of Shapat, from the town of that place, to replace you. I ain't even gonna try if I don't know it. To replace you as my prophet. Watch this. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Hey, Elijah, you think you're the only one? You're not the only one. There's 7,000 others. What's all this mean, Pastor People, Let me give it to you in three, three ending points. Number one, you're not alone. If you're in this room and you're wrestling with feelings of anxiety, worry, depression, even having thoughts of suicide, you're not alone. See, if the enemy convinced, can convince you that you're the only one, you'll never speak up. You'll never ask for help. But if nobody in this room will say they've ever wrestled with those things, I'm standing on this stage telling you, I have wrestled with depression. I have had panic attacks. I've allowed worry to consume my mind. And I can tell you, if Jesus can bring me through it, he can bring anybody through it. Because I'm the weakest person that I know. I'm not as strong. Jesus is strong. And once, once we allow him to shape our thoughts, that's when the healing process can begin. Number two, get other people involved. You're not gonna heal by yourself. You're not gonna heal alone. You need other people in your life. Um, I wanna answer a question that some of y'all probably had the past few weeks. That's where it's Philip. I normally come out here and we have a conversation about football and um, he hadn't been here for three weeks and we've just been telling people he's taking some time off and that's, that's true. About two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, Philip came to me and 
we had a um, conversation and uh, he opened up and he said he's battling with alcohol. He's battling with an addiction. And it's had a hold on him for 10 years. And he said, I can't, I can't shake it. I can't get well. And so uh, I thanked him for telling me. And by Saturday, he got on a plane, flew to Tucson, Arizona. We got him checked in the same place that I went to. He's been in treatment for about a week. Don't you listen to me. Don't you listen to me. He's not going to miss a paycheck. He's not losing his job. When people, when people admit, when people admit that they're struggling, you don't throw them out. You walk with them through the hell and the hurt that they're going through. And that's what God's called us to do. And so you keep Philip in your prayers. You keep Alex in your prayers. We prayed for her last service and listen, I told him, man, I said, you're gonna. I told him you're gonna come back stronger, man. You're gonna you're gonna be stronger and you're gonna be better. I said, God's gonna, you got still got a plan for you, Philip. Enemy tried to take you out. But not in this house. Not in this house. Last but not least, God says, I still have a plan for you. God's still got a plan for your life. I don't care how feel, I don't care how far you feel from him right now. God's still got a plan. And it's to bring you back to him. And it's it's immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. So with that in mind, can we stand for closing prayer? heads bowed and eyes closed right now maybe you're here this morning and you're like Pastor P this message was for me here's what I want you to know we have an incredible team of volunteers here called our care team and they're here after every service and they would love to pray with you and they would love to pray for you so if you're wrestling with worry or fear or anxiety or even suicidal thoughts, you came to the right place today. We want to we want, we want, to walk with you and we want that healing process to start today. So at any point during this invitation, you can do it right now. You can step out of your aisle and walk out the back doors, walk out the back exit doors and the care team people will be there. People are moving right now, so you can go ahead and move. If you feel like I need to talk with someone about the pressure that I'm under, you don't have to carry that weight by yourself. You don't have to, you don't have to carry that weight. Maybe right now, just standing right where you are, you can just say, Jesus, I want to give this problem to you. I want to give this pressure to you. I want to give this addiction to you. I want to, I want to give this to you. And maybe you're here this morning, and you've never prayed to receive Christ. Jesus doesn't live in your heart. And you know that today you need to accept Christ. So I'm going to ask you right where you stand right now to ask Jesus to come into your life. And we do this here by asking you to pray a prayer out loud. But our church family is going to pray it with you out loud so you don't have to pray it by yourself. So church family, 
Let's pray this prayer out loud for the benefit of those that are praying it for the first time. If you need Christ to come into your life and you know that's your step you need to take today, I want you to pray this. Church family, let's go. Say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. I surrender everything. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer and you just asked Christ to come in your life, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I want to know who you are. If you'll just put your hand in the air saying, yes, Pastor Pete, I just prayed that prayer. Amen. Anybody else? Hand in the air. Hand in the air. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, I want to thank you for hands in the air. I want to thank you. Jesus for saving people. I want to thank you for changing lives. Today, God, I want to thank you that I believe with all my heart you started the healing process and so many people. I want to thank you, God, for the hope that we can have in you. I want to thank you, God, for the mercy that you give us, the grace and the kindness and the unconditional love. God, I want to thank you for second chances. I want to thank you for this house, God. We lift Philip up to you right now and we pray that you would bless him, that you would keep him, that your face would shine upon him. God, that you would you would break the power of this addiction in his life and he would walk in freedom. He would walk in grace. He would be a walking testimony of how great you are and how awesome your love is. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Everybody that agreed said amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Me too. I hope y'all have a great week. We'll see y'all back here next Sunday.